Coming up, how to hardwire your brain to be confident. And then Goldman Sachs predicting how AI is going to impact hundreds of millions of jobs. We'll break all of that down. You ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Confidence is the secret sauce for all of us. In any area of our lives where we are seeing a gap, we start here and we want to go here, I can tell you that you're going to need some confidence. And we all know it, but my goodness, it's sometimes it's really, really hard to find. And so I want to talk to you today about your brain and how to hardwire, or I could say how to rewire your brain so that you become a very confident person. So let's first talk about how our brains are wired. First and foremost, our brains are wired to protect us. If you've never heard this talked about before, we've got an area in our brain towards the back of our skull called the amygdala. And uh, it's really hard to spell, a little bit easier to say, but this is the area of the brain that protects us. You've heard of the classic fight or flight, right? And so I don't know if you've ever, uh, if you've recently noticed, and if you're in a, an area of uh, great uncertainty, you, your life may not be in danger, but maybe you've got a high level of anxiety over something. Maybe you're actually afraid, or maybe you're you're angry. And if you can remember those moments, uh, and if you are uh, aware enough, you might feel it in the tips of your fingers, the tips of your toes, maybe your entire body has a little tremor to it. Now, this is the brain secreting a chemical that says, we got to run, that's the flight, or we got to step in and fight fight or flight. So there's so much danger in the world in a variety of different ways that our brains are always on the lookout and and it is ready at any moment to give us what we need to fight or take flight. So let's talk about moving forward. Let's talk about the classic in Ramsey Solutions, people come to us and have for decades to get control of their money, to overcome debt, and it's a scary process. It's scary for some people to wipe out their savings account down to $1,000 and pay off debt. That's a scary thing. All right, let's talk about relationships. It's scary to become a parent. It's scary to parent. I got three teens right now. I'm scared every day for a variety of reasons, real fear. Uh, professionally, I'm stepping out, stepping up, starting a business, putting myself out there for a promotion. I might get rejected. Folks, we are facing fear all the time if we want to move forward. Now, I can tell you that if you stop thinking about moving forward, you stop taking action to move forward, you're not going to experience much fear. And these are the people that live on the bleachers of life, eating popcorn, criticizing everybody else. So how do we rewire the brain when our brain is there to protect us so that when we feel fear, when we feel doubt, it starts to go, whoa, and it stops us and it keeps us stuck. So there's two ways to do this. Two ways to rewire your brain to where you become a very confident person. And this is a repeatable uh, process and you will develop confidence much like you can develop muscle by doing these two things. Number one, do scary things. I am not talking about doing something that is so scary 
because it is potentially life-damaging financially, relationally, spiritually. I'm not talking about taking crazy risks that have such a small percentage chance of succeeding. That's not scary. That's stupid. I didn't say do stupid things. I said do scary things. Let me give an example from my life. Early on in my journey, I had made the decision that I was going to pivot and move into broadcasting and and, and public communication, and uh, I got myself into a leadership organization, built some relationship, and got to the point where they trusted me and they wanted me to do an interview with the the, uh, legendary coach, Tony Dungy. He had since won the Super Bowl and had retired on his way to the Hall of Fame. And so we had him in for a leadership conference, and it happened to be pastors. 12,000 pastors, one arena. They want me to sit in the middle, and it was literally in the middle of the arena. The the seats were in the round. And I'm surrounded by 12,000, forget pastors, 12,000 professional communicators who are naturally critical. They do interviews at their church. And so here I go. I got to interview Coach Tony Dungy. First time I had ever done it in front of a crowd that large by the thousands. I may have done an interview before in front of 20, 30, 50 people. So I was very scared. This is a big deal. And so I prepared, prepared, prepared. I was ready to go. I was absolutely, my knees were shaking backstage. My mouth was so dry, I could barely open it. But we got into the interview. I was prepared. Coach was wonderful. I was so laser-focused. At about five to seven minutes into that interview, I began to relax and honestly forget the crowd. So the interview went very well. I received high praise. But more importantly than the praise, I walked away having done something that I was really scared to do. I was scared. But I did it. So that's the first thing we've got to learn to do. Put ourselves in a non-risky but scary situation. Fear of failure. Fear of of flubbing. Doesn't have to go to the failure level. Uh, what if I ask a stupid question? What if I get distracted up there? You know, what all the things. It was a scary thing. Secondly, I want you to do hard things. Now, scary things don't necessarily mean that they're hard. Now, hard things is another category. The scary things push us emotionally. That's why it's scary. Hard things demand grit and perseverance. I got to commit to a hard thing. Uh, It's going to take more time. You know, if I go ride a scary roller coaster, that's two minutes of fury. Ah! You know, you know, that's that's a hard thing is get yourself a shovel and dig a legitimate ditch. Anybody that's ever had to use a shovel, and this is what more American young people need to do, because I had to. Uh, if you ever work on a brick crew and you got to shovel concrete out of a out of a wheelbarrow and put it on a board, I mean, that takes time, and it's hard. Effort, grit, sweat. One of the hard things I did early on was try to do a radio show. I did it. The first couple of weeks were brutal. I had to fill an hour of time that I was paying for in a small radio station. I'm still on to this day on WDUN. Shout out to my friends and family in Gainesville. I had to learn how to develop a radio show, deliver it, get better at it, learn how to hit the buttons, take callers, all these things. It was hard. 
But here's what's on the other side of scary things and hard things. I survived, and I have what it takes. That's what comes out of this, and that's where confidence comes from. When I do scary things and hard things, two things happen on the other side. Hey, I survived. I'm still here. And number two, I have what it takes. And so we keep doing hard things and scary things. And each time we come out on the other side, I survived. I have what it takes. And then it's the light bulb moment. I have what it takes. I have what it takes. I had it last time. I'll summon it this time. And that is how we get confident to go from where we are to where we want to be. You want a meaningful life? Learn how to do scary things and hard things. Helping you get unstuck so that you can become unstoppable, move forward, and live this life that you desire to live. That's your work, your life, your money. I'm Ken. This is The Ken Coleman Show. If you're enjoying the show on YouTube, thank you very much. Would you give us a like? That helps us grow. Hit that like button. I think it's a thumbs up right there below the window. If you do that, we'd be grateful. And those of you listening via a podcast platform, uh, follow us and give us a five-star review. All right, folks, so I've been telling you about these events. I'm excited to get out and meet people where they are. If you're not where you want to be professionally, for a variety of reasons, uh, you know there's more, uh, no matter what the circumstance is, and you're just looking for some breakthrough. Um, I'm going to be coming to four cities, Kansas City, April 20th, Chicago, Illinois, May 16th, Atlanta, Georgia, May 18th, Dallas, Texas, May 23rd. And uh, I'm going to be speaking on the formula of how to Get clarity, confidence, and courage so that I truly, no matter what life throws at me, I'm never stuck. And uh, then I'll be taking questions live from the crowd, much like we do on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. These are intimate theaters. Uh, If you'd love to come, uh, kencoleman.com slash events, kencoleman.com slash events. Kansas City coming up April 20th, Chicago, May 16th, Atlanta, May 18th, Dallas, May 23rd. All right. I am a man of the people because I try to keep you folks informed and while informing you, not scaring you because the media lives and breathes to scare you because if they are scaring you, you are paying attention and you don't need to be scared. Uh, But two articles here to cover around artificial intelligence. First, Goldman Sachs, well-known investment firm, they've put out a report. Headline, artificial intelligence is expected to impact, they say, could. By the way, all scary headlines have a could in it. You could get hit by a train today. Oh, wow, that's really scary. And then you dive into the article and they go, the chances of you getting hit by a train are really low because what you'd have to do is be stupid enough to pull your car in front of a train, or even more dumb, step out in front of the train. Uh, So there's a point zero 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 zero. you get my point chance of getting hit by a train today, but the headline reads, you could get hit by a train today. (gasps) And that's what's happening. They're trying to scare you to death. So let's look into this. Artificial intelligence could impact 300 million jobs, according to Goldman Sachs. 
So two-thirds of U.S. jobs are exposed to automation by AI. Although the impact of AI on the labor market is likely to be significant, listen to this, most jobs in industries are only partially exposed to automation and are thus more likely to be complemented rather than substituted. So do you see my point? Headline says, AI could impact 300 million jobs. Bum, bum, bum. And then we dive into it, and the guy who does the report says, 7% of U.S. jobs could be replaced by AI, with 63% being complemented by AI and 30% being unaffected. So I'll give you an example of why we don't need to freak out about this. So my mom is from uh, the Motor City. All right, that's Detroit. And if you think about how we made cars, okay, uh, in, 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 in the uh, early, let's call it mid-1900s, right? It was very assembly line. So you literally would have a bunch of people lined up. And so they're assembling a car. This person put on this bolt and, and you know the drill. Okay. Well, now if you look at how they make cars, AI is all over the floor. Okay. It's all over the place. Okay. It, it, it complemented the jobs. Did it replace some? Yes, but it complemented. So we don't need to be scared of this part of AI. More on that in a second. Um, here are the jobs that will be uh, very affected by artificial intelligence. How? Nobody really knows, but we're already seeing signs of this. Here they are. Uh, administrative clerical positions. Okay? So AI has got the ability to come in and do what somebody does, like, oh, okay, i got to put this paper on this paper, and we put this in this file. Uh, AI is going to make a lot of that obsolete. There's just no question about that. Common sense there. Um, so anything clerical, administrative support, AI is going to replace that. I'll give you an example. I was in New York uh, a couple weeks ago uh, to be on Fox News. And I was walking through Manhattan, uh, walking around, getting some exercise, and I walked by a McDonald's. And I walked by, and at first I thought it was closed. And then I looked again, and it wasn't closed, but I saw no staff. I saw people walking up to a kiosk. Boop, 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 boop. I'll have the uh, quarter pounder with cheese, you know, whatever, uh, biggie size, whatever it is that you do. And uh, so I started asking around. And so the only humans in that at McDonald's in Manhattan were people cooking on the back line. Everything else is self-serve. But uh, listen, I go to my grocery store and I hardly ever have a clerk run me through anymore. I'm like, oh, I'll go do it myself, you know, and I'm running through, boop, you know, the whole nine yards. So again, uh, those type of positions are going to be eliminated where it's just very tactile. All right. This is interesting. So they're, they're anticipating that 46% of administrative jobs will be replaced by AI legal positions. And again, that's, I feel like that's a lot of like clerical and all that kind of stuff, 44%. And then this surprised me, but, but, but once you look into it, think about it, it doesn't architecture and engineering jobs, architecture and engineering jobs. They're going to develop these programs. Really smart people are going to put the data in and these artificial intelligence systems are going to replace those positions. So it's very interesting. Now, before I move on, it's a bit ironic 
But you know the industry and the type of jobs that AI is not threatening? Anybody want to take a guess in the control room? All right, I'll tell you. Trades. Ain't going to be some robot out on a construction site. There's not going to be a robot that shows up at your house when your HVAC system goes out. And here's what's interesting. For decades, our culture has looked down its nose at the trades. They have. If you go to if you go to college and get yourself a diploma, you're going to be successful. You don't want to go into the trades and sweat and get some grease on your hands. That's what losers do. That's the message. I completely, utterly reject that message. I think it's a bunch of garbage. But that's been the message. But here, as we see technology continue to advance, the trades are dying for people. You can take a kid out of high school right now and train him, get him in an apprenticeship, a paid apprenticeship, he or she, and they can have a great life in the trades and become a small business owner. The American dream is alive and well in the trades, and it's not threatened by AI. All right. Let me pivot really quickly here because I, I want to keep you informed on this artificial intelligence stuff. Uh, so now Elon Musk, Steve Wozniak, Apple co-founder, and 1,000 other uh, brilliant technology people issued a letter. Not quite sure who the letter went to, but it was like a public letter. Arguing that safety protocols need to be developed by independent overseers to guide the future of AI systems. They're worried. Powerful AI systems should be developed only once we are confident that their effects will be positive and their risk will be manageable. Well, here's the problem with a letter like this. A, who's it going to? Who's that independent overseer? Let me tell you where that's going. Government and government regulators. And I don't have any confidence that anybody in Congress right now knows anything about chat GPT to be able to regulate it. Did you see the hearings with the, the old Congress people? Talking to the TikTok CEO. Now, this was big news in my house because I got three teenagers. Like, Dad, did you see what the, the TikTok hearings were like? Let me tell you something. At one point, one Congress lady looked at the CEO of TikTok and was like, now, how does it work with wireless? Ay, ay, ay. Now, here, now, here's why I bring this up. These big shots are saying, we've got to legislate, regulate this because this could get scary. And it could get scary. But we the people are the only ones that are going to demand and say, wait a second, we got to put a stop to this stuff. It's not going to be us versus the robots. Can't be. So how do you figure out the path you should take if you're not on the path that you want to be on? Or how do you figure out, how do I keep growing professionally so that I, I'm challenged, I, I enjoy the work, and I'm compensated really well? The answer is radical self-awareness. To know your uniqueness and thus be able to define what greatness looks like. There's three elements that I talk about every day on the show, or most days. When you use what you do best to do what you love, to produce results that matter to you, you are on purpose, you are in that sweet spot, you are doing meaningful work, and, and there's no stopping you. 
So I created an assessment. Took me three years. I built it uh, with our technology guys, but I wrote it, and it is a wonderful tool, and it's going like crazy at RamseySolutions.com or KenColeman.com. It's called the Get Clear Assessment. About 15-minute assessment. It is not a personality profile. It will measure talent, passion, meaning the type of work that I look forward to, and that when I do it, I love it, and then motivation. We call it mission in the assessment. What motivates me? What results fire me up? You know all three of those, and then how they work together, and you get a purpose statement after you get the individual results. Use what you do best to do what you love to produce results that matter to you. KenColeman.com slash assessment. KenColeman.com slash assessment. It's only 30 bucks, and it may be the awareness that you've been missing. Because I'm telling you this, when you're clear, you're confident. And when you're confident, you can be courageous. All right, let's go to Atlanta, Georgia. Charlie's on the line. Charlie, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, Ken, how are you doing today? I'm living the dream. What are you doing? Uh, about the same, man. Hopefully oh, you can help me out. Fantastic. What's up? <laughs> So I have been with my current company now for about six years or so. Um, and I was approached by one of our vendors for a job opportunity with them. I would still be working with my current company just on the uh, vendor side as opposed to on the dealer side. Um, and in doing that, you know, they offered me a lot more money. Um, there's also potential for growth in this current company. But my big concern is that the current company that is looking to bring me on is also for sale. And, um, not too sure how I feel about them being for sale or really what my future would look like under a new, um, a new ownership of the company. That's, that's legitimate. That is legitimate. Uh, have you expressed that to them as they're looking to hire you? I have. I and have. what so, do they say to that? So, you know, they, they've all kind of said, we don't see any changes within a year. We don't pass that. They're not sure. Um, Okay. The one so, good thing is they're not for sale because of any lack of not making money. They currently make all the money for their large capital firm. Um, and the capital firm is currently giving all the money to the other businesses inside that capital firm. Okay. All right. So, so they agreed to, to, to move on. All right. So I want to put myself in your shoes and, mm -hmm. I, and I want to think through what I would be thinking through. And I, I, I think this was the question I would ask myself and I'm asking you. If they weren't for sale. Okay. So let's take that out of the narrative. Okay. And they're just a company who wants you. And you seem to be very excited about this role. I would be asking myself, so I'm asking you, does this opportunity put me on the right rung of the ladder that I want to be and need to be climbing? And if I knew that I went in there, got more experience, made more money, and a year later had an opportunity to go somewhere else, would I still take it? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I would, I would probably say yes. And I think that's the answer because here's the deal. If it moves you forward, okay, so we're betting on ourselves for a year, we go, this is going to move me forward. Now, one of two things is going to happen, okay, to the mm -hmm. best of our knowledge. A year from now, they sell the company or the, the, the transaction goes through or they sell it now. And a year from now, that new company goes, all right, we've done our, you know, gerrymandering, if you will, of the company and we're going to move you out. There's no shame in that for you because your story is I was I was a part of a merger and acquisition. But you got a lot of great experience. 
You hopefully made some more money. I'm presuming that this pays you more if you take this? Uh, yeah, pretty much double oh. what I make now. Bro, this deal got even sweeter. Because yeah. because it's either that and you go, okay. And by the way, you're mentally prepared the whole time. You're you right. you're, you're looking, okay, what would I what would I pivot to? Or they keep you on and you keep growing. But I think this is forget the transaction. I think this comes down to does this other opportunity move you forward in your professional life? And if it does significantly, and it certainly does financially, I mean double your salary, bro. Take the money uh, in this situation and get better. And you're looking forward to the work itself, yes? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I already you know work with that current uh, current product a lot now. So I'm just instead of selling a number of products, I'd just be with that one product, and I, I'm very familiar with it. So I mean, not a lot of learning to have to be done. Do you like sports by any chance? Die hard, yeah. Okay, what's your favorite sport? Everybody stay with me. I'm going somewhere. All these people are like, where is he going? I'll explain. Tell me your favorite sport. Hockey. Okay, give me your favorite team. Uh, Buffalo Sabres. Okay, Buffalo Sabres. All right. I don't know anything about the Buffalo Sabres. I'm a Nashville Predators fan. Uh, but let's just take your favorite hockey team, okay? And let's say they've got a guy on that team. Uh, I mean, let's say the the the, 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 uh, the your Buffalo team. Sorry. They've, yeah. They're looking at a guy from another team. And they're going, we, we may only get him, like his contract is up in a year. He can choose to be free agent. He can sign with us. He's looking at it too. So they make the offer. We want you. We, we, we want, we want to, And he has the opportunity to say yes or no to the trade. You still tracking with me? Yep. All right. And so his agent gets the call. And the agent goes, look, this other franchise wants you. Okay? Uh, yep. When your year is up, they're going to decide whether or not they're going to give you a long-term contract. They're very attracted to you, but if you don't have a good season, they may just let you be a free agent and move on. Do you want to stay in Buffalo, or do you want to go in for a year and have a chance to really score in a fat free agent contract or a fat contract with them? It's that kind of mentality. So, you know, you sit there and you go, what's the negative, you know? And if I'm setting myself up for a better future and the present gets better, I think it's a no-brainer. I wouldn't worry about it. That's what okay. I would do. I'd take the job. Yeah, you know, and, and that's kind of where I've been leaning, just kind of been, you know, back and forth, pro, lots of pros and cons lists and things like that. All so, right, so what's your biggest fear? Let's say you take yeah, this. My, my biggest fear is them coming back to me in six months or something and saying, you know, your job is no longer needed. Um, and I, I'm, I'm comfortable where I am now. Not that I'm uncomfortable um, you know, obviously, you know, money plays a big, big part. I feel like in any decision like this, but I also have a family. Um, I have a young son, so trying to think of what's going to be best for our family, for our future, things like that. It is going to increase travel for me a little bit, so I, I won't be home as much as what I am now. Um, but my biggest fear is really just the, the the acquisition of the company and what my future will look like. Yeah, I get in that. six months because the acquisition is literally any day now. Yeah, so I get it. I get it. I totally get it. Um, and I don't want you to feel like, you know, this is an absolute no-brainer because I think you've got some other circumstances that only you can answer. But as it relates to, does this help me grow professionally by making more money, even if it's six months? I'm making double the income, so I'm going to be smart with that. Why not pocket the double? Most people wouldn't do that. What if you do that? What if you live on? Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's something else that I thought of as well. 
So here's the deal. If I take this risk, it's really not much of a risk because financially I'm coming out ahead, plus it's a promotion. And then if, again, it's a merger acquisition, the narrative is not you're a loser and you got let go. It's a merger and acquisition. That happens all the time. You you spin that, you take control of that, you look at the industry and you go, I'm going to go from here to here to here. I think you prepare for it. I think you're fine. Okay. But again, all that being said, this comes down to a conversation between you and your wife. And... It's okay for you to go, I'm going to say no to this one, but I'm going to keep my eye on something that's better. And if this doesn't have enough, you know, better to it, then there is something else there that is better. And I think we as humans get trapped into this false choice that we got something really good. And if we say no to that, nothing will ever be better. And I don't think that's true either. So romantic dinner, pros and cons. Pray about it, hug it out, and move forward. That's my sage advice. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.